The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery podcast. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. We're basically a couple of recovery nerds and ordained unity ministers sharing our experience, strength, and hope on this spiritual journey of addiction recovery. We hope that something you hear today will be helpful to you on your own recovery journey. We invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. Just send an email to spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. Facebook users, you can message us from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And however you choose to reach out to us, please be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. Today's episode is focused on step one, beginning again. Sometimes I feel like uh, at, at any point on my recovery journey, sometimes it's time to start over or go back to basics, as we might say. Yes. And when I think about step one, the first thing that comes to mind is you know, we hear lots of things in the rooms and some of them stick and some of them I carry forward. And, and one thing that I distinctly remember hearing is that step one is the only step that I had to get 100% right. And when I first heard that, I, I don't think I knew exactly why that might be or why was somebody saying that or what was it about it that... Um, made it that someone would sort of call it out in that unique and fairly strong way. Uh, but I do remember that. I feel like now I have some insight into why that might be. So let's talk about that and anything else related to step one, starting over, you know, powerlessness, unmanageability, all of that stuff that kind of led us onto the path we're on today. Unmanageability. Should we start with that one? <laughs> That's as we like, good as anywhere. I mean, we, you know, our pattern is to talk first about how things were. And, um, you know, the whole reason we got clean or sober or whatever our thing was is because it had become unmanageable. You know, if it were still working, we'd still be doing it, right? But it can be hard to admit that unmanageability because let's face it, we can get used to just about anything, you know, it, we're like that 
proverbial frog in the boiling pot of water, yeah, that, you know, frogs, right. yeah, we just, you know, keep turning it up and up, but we just keep getting used to it. And we don't realize um, how unmanageable things have become. So uh, this continues, you know, to be a thing for me, like it can be, it, I can get used to things being pretty unmanageable and not realize how unmanageable they are. Usually there's some sort of a, a wake up point. And for this hard nut to crack, it often has to involve a lot of psychic and personal pain. You know, I don't tend to make big shifts or changes in my life until I'm really, really, really uncomfortable. And so, you know, we all have some sort of a bottom, bottoming out or a hitting bottom, you know, uh, story. And mine with alcohol actually was more relationship oriented than um, alcohol related, although they definitely went together, they were intertwined. But um, I definitely hit a relationship bottom, um, which is what, which was the horrible thing that happened, but was what was the grace because it was what, um, what caused me to realize how unmanageable things have become and um, decide to make a change. So yeah, often have to get in quite a lot of pain before I'm willing to make some major changes. Now I, I'm, you know, as I become more aware of that, I can sort of try to like realize where things are headed. You know what I mean? Like maybe I can realize things before I get in too much pain, but um one of the cool things that happens um, over years of recovery is that we look back and we end up sort of being grateful for those really painful times because they did force us. I know for me, they definitely were times that forced me into a shift. And then thank God we have this remarkable um, opportunity to begin again. Absolutely. Uh, always grateful for it. And uh, related to this, I'm remembering, I don't know where I heard this, but just this idea, you know, I've, I've probably said it in church, I've certainly heard it in church, that at any moment, we can decide to start over, you know, yes. having a bad morning, having a yeah. bad day, whatever, I don't have to wait till tomorrow. Yep. So take a breath and make the decision to begin again. And, and yep. that reminds me of step one and vice versa. <clears throat> I remember when I first encountered this step, you know, it's in two parts. The first part is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. And the second part is that our lives had become unmanageable. Well, I thought of them like two little light bulbs slowly coming on. The first one um, came on sooner, right? At, at, at some point, while I was still drinking, I realized, you know, I really have lost, it seems, the ability to choose here. Mm. And I would quit you know, to show myself that I could saying, well, if I quit for a week, then I don't have a problem or whatever. And, and honestly, the last time I quit, which was January of the year that I picked up my white chip, uh, my sobriety date, uh, I made it three days, I think, barely, you know, just like all, all I could muster. And so, uh, but my life wasn't unmanageable. Mm -hmm. It took quite a while for that light bulb to come on because yeah. I realized that, you know, this, this really has a hold of me, but I'm still going to work and bills are getting paid and, you know, I'm not 
I haven't, I'm not ready to quit. I mean, do you know anyone that quit thinking, oh, this would be a good idea? I, <laughs> I don't. I, I quit because I had to, it was absolutely ground into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad, you know. So that second light bulb finally came on. It's like, okay, I give up. My life is definitely unmanageable. Mm -hmm. Can't, could not function, you know, at the very end. I was drinking around the clock, which I had only done for like, you know, maybe the last five weeks of my drinking career mm -hmm. uh, were like that, maybe less, it might have been three, four weeks, who knows, you know, that whole, that whole time is kind of a blur, as you can well imagine. Mm -hmm. And but I literally could not stop even, you know, I mean, normally what you, I would drink and, and go to sleep and wake up the next day and go to work or whatever, I could stop until five o'clock the next day not anymore i hit a point where that was so that that became pretty clear i i call that unmanageable absolutely and, uh, that's uh, that's what happened to me and uh, i like to think i got it right because i have not gone back on this and it's very clear it's abundantly clear to me even now today this many years later this is still absolutely true it's it's yeah. a 100 accurate description of my situation yeah yeah. You know, there's so many different kinds of unmanageability. And again, we are masters at being able to manage unmanageable situations. That's why we hold out for so long, right? Typically, we're just, we're tenacious, you know, but there's an emotional unmanageability. Like for me, it was not the, you know, alcohol was absolutely a, a huge component in my unmanageability, but I didn't have the experience that you did. You know, I wasn't drinking around the clock. My drinking wasn't, it was getting me into a whole lot of interpersonal problems, but it wasn't getting me, it, you know, I didn't lose a job. I didn't, you know, whatever, all of those things. Um, I had some close calls, you know, I did get pulled over and very easily could have gotten a DUI, but didn't. Um, so, you know, sometimes I forget like how close some of those things, there's also a minimizing aspect that, you know, many of us tend to have, I know I do, oh, wasn't yeah. that bad, but the emotional part of it was bad. Emotionally, my life was unmanageable, you know, um, I could hold the more structural pieces of my life together, like my job and stuff, but my emotional life, my relationships, um, my interpersonal, you know, life was a wreck. And that's really what brought me to my knees. And thank God it did, you know, because it forced me to make a change. I couldn't. So in the way that you couldn't stop drinking, I couldn't stop creating all this crazy drama that was just killing me, killing me. You know, um, I remember that moment in just I won't go into it because it's not pretty, but just relationship, absolute chaos and just calling up my sponsor and just saying, OK, I cannot do this anymore. Like, I just I can't. I'm, this is literally killing me, you know. And um, so that was that was my bottom. It was an emotional bottom. But the alcohol absolutely tied in and getting sober for me was the first step to being able to even begin to crack open any of that other stuff, which has ended up being really a lifelong process of, you know, you can remove the alcohol, which I did. But there was a whole, whole lot of other work that needed to be done and that I'm still engaged in to this day. But to get back to what you said um, at the beginning of this is that we have the ability, the opportunity, the grace, the chance to begin again at any time, regardless of what it is. 
you know, and I learned that in recovery and I found out later that it's a very spiritual principle, but I learned it in recovery. You know, if you're going down a road, that's not working for you, you can get off of that. I mean, it may not be easy, but you can't, you don't have to continue, you know, and this has played itself out in my life in a lot of different ways. If I'm going down a relationship road that's not looking good, I don't have to keep going down that road, you know, or like I was in a career that I I liked in a lot of ways, but it wasn't what I wanted. And I, I had this idea that I was locked into this. No, this is what I have to do. This is what I studied for. This is what, this is the path I'm on. I've got to do it. And something freed me at some point. And I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. And I stepped off. And so that's what I've learned is we don't have to keep going down that road. If it's not working for us, we can make a change. We have the right, we have the power, we have the opportunity to change and make our lives more of what we want them to be. Yeah, you know, it's reminding me that addiction, in a sense, is the loss of the power to choose. And so my experience, particularly with alcohol, was I could I could take steps to regain my power to choose Mm -hmm. by choosing not to drink. That was the key right at the beginning. And then over time, sort of get get my wherewithal, if you will, get my personal power, whatever that is back, because I stopped um, doing the thing that was causing it to run amok. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't put alcohol in my body, I'm doing pretty well in the world. If I do, (laughs) you know, all bets are off. I I like to think of it in a way I have some images that help me um, remember, you know, who I am, where I am in all of this. And I like to think of, it's kind of a Lord of the Rings thing, that my addiction is like a dragon in the basement, and it's sleeping. And mm-hmm. I do not want to wake that thing up. And if I think that it would be okay for me to take a drink or whatever, that's me just like kicking that dragon and seeing yeah. what happened. I yep. don't think so. I am not mm-hmm doing anything that might wake that beast back up because Mm-mm. i'm telling you it took some doing oh and it's it, down there doing push-ups also it is what it's doing oh it's ready to go it, it ain't shrinking it's no it's even stronger than before that's what it does fire breath at me yeah <laughs> <laughs> or whatever or whatever it may be yeah so i want to talk about something that you mentioned a few minutes ago about the gift of desperation, (laughs) right? Because you you talked about the boiled frogs thing, right? And if it's me, and so many of us are like this, I think I can only share from my own experience. If I was the frog and you turn the water up, I'd be like, it's not bad. I always wanted a hot tub. (laughs) Cool. And it gets even hotter. It's like, yeah, I like my hot tub real hot. Oh, you don't? What a wimp, you know, get hotter, get gone or whatever, absolutely can tolerate a lot of stuff. But then yes. comes a shift, a change, a, a what we have called a gift of desperation. What Talk more about that. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is what I said already, that for me, it's usually emotional or psychic pain. You know, it's, it's I have to typically get in a lot of pain where something is really hurting me. That's the point of desperation to me. Cause you know, like I say, so many of us, you know, with whatever kind of traumas in our background or whatever, you know, 
Yeah, I've had that experience as well. I've, I've even had it come up where um, there's a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon that I remember because uh, the kid has a school assignment that he has to get done. And the tiger's asking why he's not working on it yet. And he says he's waiting for the right kind of motivation. And Hobbes says, well, what is that? And Calvin says, last minute panic. I can identify with that. Yeah, I I realize that I do function that way a lot too, you know, that I work well under pressure or whatever, that I often um, will push something out to the last minute because then there's that real energy that I can bring to something when it's down to the wire. Um, but yeah, so the the uh, i'm sorry what was the word you used not the um gift of desperation of desperation yeah i mean it it does okay so like i said for me that that really usually equates to psychic pain you know personal pain um it's a real motivator pain is a motivator you know and the more aware that i can become of that the less far down the road of personal pain I have to go before I can make a change. You know what I mean? I don't, I've had a lot of moments of pain and sobriety. I'm not going to lie, but um, I don't think I've ever gone quite back to that original surrender. You know what I mean? Uh, there's been a couple of times that were pretty bad, but the good news is that those places always, um, those moments of desperation, literal desperation of like I can't take this anymore always preceded great shifts you know really big transformational shifts in my life so that's just something that you know everyone is different I hope you all don't have to get in the kind of pain I do before I'm re really willing to make a big shift but it's something that I understand about life is that um, and it's something that I teach from the pulpit too that our times of greatest adversity and challenge and pain are almost always also our times of greatest transformation. So it can help to know that because when I get in some kind of pain or things are really tough, now I just, you know, I obviously have to experience it. It doesn't make it go away, but there's a part of me that knows, wow, something big is happening. Something, you know, really transformative is occurring here. And that makes it a little more easy to bear. Yeah, for me, absolutely, because I'm awake and aware, and I'm yeah. able to experience it and process mm -hmm. it and share about it. You know, all of these things that I learned walking this recovery path, I can instantly begin to bring those things to bear. And yes, it's still difficult, but it's not insurmountable. You know, when my solution was to drink so that I would feel better and everything could be okay, uh, I've got much better skills and tools and capabilities now. I've heard it said, and I have to echo this, that my worst day sober is better than my best, best day yes. in active addiction. I absolutely know that to be true for myself. And, you know, I, I can't say that I welcome a gift of desperation, but I have managed to learn somehow that, um, you know, how we'll say that, uh, I, I can't look around at the world and say that and call everything good. 
Mm-hmm. But I do know that there's good in everything. Yes. So whatever it is that is going on, I can choose to look for the good in it. I'm not ignoring. I'm not pretending that right. the the harsh parts aren't there. They right. they are there. I'm saying there's more to it than just that. I'm yep. not only going to focus on the big, loud, obvious, horrific parts of this. I mean, what do you have to just watch the news and any practically any two-day cycle and there'll just be some horrible thing going on in the world. It's like, I can't believe that people do that to each other. I don't want to stop there. I want to at least acknowledge to myself, and I do this in my own life too, there's something under here that there is good in there somewhere to be found if I'm willing to look for it. So when, Mm -hmm. you know, one of these desperate feeling situations comes up in, in life and, you know, where I might in hindsight, it's always the gift of desperation, right? I never call it that. Yeah. Uh, when it's happening, it's usually a five alarm fire um, in my experience. But I can look back and and see that okay, there there was more going on than that. And thank God I have, um, you know, program friends, program principles, uh, practices to put into play, so that I don't have to just suffer through things on my own, you know, looking for some outside, some substance or whatever, you know, went from alcohol to smoking, right? Smoking sort of became the go-to, I'm nervous, I need to take a break from life thing. Now I was able to kick that. Also, I I don't know, it's been a few years at, at least. And so I feel good about that. You know, it's one thing, one thing at a time. Yeah. One small thing at a time in fact is the way that i have found to kind of walk this path beginning with step one you know realizing wow i really am powerless and my life has gone to crap and i am ready to do something different so we've been sort of sharing about the i want to say kind of negative connotations of this process, you know, things that seem kind of negative, like unmanageability, powerlessness, hitting our bottom, you know, um, those things sound kind of negative, but there is a positive element to this first step process, which is surrender. And the reason I say that that is positive is because um, surrender can feel like a very broken down place. Um, But it is also the beginning of cracking open a new world, right? A new possibility. It cracks open that grace. So when things are going good in my life, I don't have that much need of God. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a minister, so I do pray. I meditate. I check in with God. But let's face it. I'm not like turning my whole life over to God on my knees when things are going well. You know, but when the proverbial, you know, bleep hits the fan, that's when all of a sudden I have need of my higher power. That's when God can begin to work in me when I begin to open myself up to something greater than myself. Because when things are going great, I can take it from here. It's all good, you know. And so 
it's not that we want to create moments of chaos in our life, but we don't need to create them. They're going to be there. They're, you know, it's just life. Life is lifing, as we like to say, life on life's terms. And so there are going to be those moments of challenge, of pain, of desperation, of unmanageability. The beauty of those moments and the opportunity of those moments is that when we surrender, we have that experience of spirit rushing in to catch us. You know, if we don't ever fall, God can't ever catch us and we can't, we don't get that experience. So those are the moments in which we get that experience that when my, when I reach the end of my human ability to manage things, that's when I become a spiritual being. That's when all of a sudden I start to access something more than just my humanness and my ego personality, you know, and so those are moments of grace. Instead of drinking or acting out or causing chaos in relationships, I mean, what a what a better choice. We you're right, I agree. I still do arrive at those places. But it's it's sort of like that saying, you know, if if you're if you find yourself at the bottom of a hole that you've dug, quit digging. You know, that's <laughs> part of just stop, don't make it worse. Yeah. Just stop digging and then let's begin to see what we have. When before my solution was to dig faster, right? You know, it would seem. And I love that you are talking about surrender because it it does have a, a kind of a it can have a negative connotation for some people, like you're like you're giving up or you're a quitter or whatever. But I'm telling you, if if what you're doing is shooting yourself in the foot, then maybe you do want to quit doing that. Right? Yeah. Stopping doing something is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a very, very good thing. And surrender has this um, beautiful element to it of, I, I think of it as I'm, I'm all of a sudden willing to let go of all of the parts of this that are not working mm -hmm. sort of all at once up yeah. to that point. I'm, I'm the same way as you. I got this. I can manage this. I'm going to yeah. make this work. I can figure it out. All that kind of approach to life. And then when I hit that point where it's all falling apart, there is a great sense of relief. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, and why didn't I arrive there before? I don't know. It takes what it takes. Because we're human beings. Yeah. This great sense of relief that says, oh, good. I don't have to do this anymore. Or I don't have when, to do it alone. When yesterday I was all about taking yeah. care of it, you know, and, and it's and what comes to mind. And I remember over and over is, is my life is so much easier. Yes. Life is so much easier if I am just willing to let go. Mm -hmm. of all these little things that I think I need to take care of when in reality, they're not serving my highest good. It just takes a lot of pain, like you say, to get to that point. Or as I've heard it say, uh, suffering is optional, but it mm -hmm. takes a lot of suffering to realize that <laughs> the path of life. It's like alcohol is optional. Don't need it. I can choose no, and that's what I do. But it took a lot of alcohol for me to realize that. My goodness. <laughs> yes. Um, the thing is, is that, you know, in unity, we teach that we are both spiritual beings and human beings, or we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And when the human part of ourselves is working well, we tend to forget the spiritual part. Yeah. 
But when the human part stops working, when we run into the limits of our human ability to manage things, that's when we recall that we are also spiritual beings. That's when we reach out to this power greater than ourselves. I wouldn't have the relationship with God that I have if it weren't for the really tough times I've had in my life. Those are the times that I surrendered my human self, that I surrendered from my small S self, you know, and said, this part of me cannot do this. This human part of me cannot manage this anymore. And I had to open up to my higher self, to God within, to what we call in unity, the Christ, that relationship with the higher power that is both within and without. That is what can help me manage those times. I cannot do it from my human place. And so that's the gift of surrender. And that's when we can begin again. We can begin again remembering that we aren't alone, that we aren't doing this ourselves, that we are spiritual beings, that we are one with God. And that's the place we learn to live from. And like you said, it's so much easier. It's so So much much easier. easier. I keep kicking myself. Why do I forget this? Why don't I just go here first (laughs) instead of you know, trying to, what do we say? Drop the rock. No, I'm going to carry the rock up the hill. Well, you can just drop it. Shut up. I'm carrying it. (laughs) Well, theoretically, as we grow spiritually and we move along this path of recovery, we do start to remember more often. I don't have to do this by myself. I can turn this over to God. Longer as far as I used to. Well, it's time for recovery in a nutshell. This is the part of our podcast where we try to summarize the pieces of all of this that we've found most helpful in our own recovery journey. So we've had a lot to say about step one. Let's step way back, no pun intended, if we can, and see if we can find a simple way to sum all this up. So Reverend Michelle, if someone were to ask you, what does surrender have to do with anything anyway? What would you say to them if you had just a minute? I mean, I think what I just said is that the reason surrender is important is because that is the point at which we turn it over to a power greater than ourselves. And that opens us up to this experience of God and this experience that no matter what is happening in our life, God is walking the path with us. We are not alone. We always have access to the higher power as a source of infinite love and peace and wisdom and guidance that is always with us. That's what happens when we surrender. So that's the gift. That's it's it's not fun at the moment, but it ends up being the huge shift in our lives that we need. Yeah, that's my answer is what does surrender have to do with it? It has everything to do with it because that's the turning point. That's where I stop going down the road that I've been going down, take a turn and go down a much healthier path. It's it's a new beginning in a way. Yes. You have you heard that saying, if if I'm a hammer, everything's a nail, right? So I get to stop being a (laughs) hammer, right? I'm I'm ready to see things differently. I'm ready to have different experience in my life. Um, and again, if I'm ready to stop digging the hole, right? Yep. The solution is not to sling some more shovels full of dirt. The solution is to let it go and and be willing to take on a whole new direction. That's the beauty and the power of surrender. And for me, that's what step one is all about. And thank God for that. Yes. Well, as always, we have an affirmation for you to help anchor this concept. And our affirmation today is surrendering to the wisdom of my higher power. I can begin again in any moment. Mm, 
once again, surrendering to the wisdom of my higher power, I can begin again in any moment. Amen to that. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of recovery with another episode of Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful that you have. We hope that you found something in all of our babbling that you find genuinely helpful, and we bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. Yes, and as always, we invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. You can find us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, or email us at spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. We are so glad that you joined us today, and we hope you will join us again. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.